right, welcome everyone to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and this is always my favorite edition of the show because it's Friday. Who doesn't like Friday? I love Friday. And we got a lot to get to. And of course, we have a lot happening today as well because we got the CPI data coming out. And is it gonna be hotter than expected? Is it gonna be as expected? Is it gonna be less than expected? There's really the only three outcomes <laughs> that could happen. So which one is it gonna be? We're gonna to get to that in a second. But speaking of hotter than expected, well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. We know it's been a crazy time for the housing market. And one of the big beneficiaries of rising home prices is homeowners. Yeah, they benefit. That's right. You know, people try to buy a home. It sucks. But if you own a home, it's pretty awesome. And one of the reasons why is because as your home increases in value, you technically have more money in home equity. And so not surprisingly, as home prices have just skyrocketed at the start of 2022, so has home equity. In fact, CoreLogic's latest report, the homeowner equity report finds that in the first quarter of 2022, there was a 32.2% increase year over year. So comparing the first quarter of 2022 to the first quarter of 2021, I mean, that's almost a third, a 33%, almost 33% increase in equity, which represents a collective gain of 38 trillion dollars that equates to an average gain of about $63,600 per borrower. It sucks that rates are where they are because I have a feeling you'd be seeing more uh, cash outs. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe that's a good thing that people aren't rushing to tap the equity in their homes because you don't know what's going to happen with home prices. I mean, where rates are going, we're going to see a slowdown. Could at some point we see prices pull back? I think most economists think so. When that's going to happen, end of this year, next year, a year after, we don't know. But so it's, you know, it's, you never want to just run and tap the equity in your home for no you know, actual reason. Uh, and of course, as always, the caveat must be said that the ability to cash out refi very different now than where it was in 2005 when people had like 110% cash outs. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening anymore. So I know you're going to be surprised by this, but California continues to dominate, at least with regards to gross dollar amount with the average Californian homeowner seeing $141,000 gained in equity. You know, we talked earlier this week about the NIMBYs in California. That's why there's so many NIMBYs in California. I mean, they made 140 grand in a year. You can see why they're a little protective of their property values. I mean, it's horrible. It's wrong, but you can you can see why. Because once again, that's that's the real reason. The character of the neighborhood, or whatever dumb argument they're coming up with, that's the reason. The hundred forty-one thousand dollars they made over the last year. Uh, Hawaii was number two, very close. Number two, up one hundred thirty-nine thousand. Good for them. And Washington State was up one hundred fourteen thousand. And just for my own selfish reasons. 
North Carolina, where I broadcast from, was in the top 10. They were actually number 10. They were they were in the top 10. They were number 10. And they the average homeowner in North Carolina saw $90,000 in equity over the last year. So not too bad. Pretty good year to be a homeowner, I would say. Now, of course, as prices and equity rise, homes that have negative equity, homes that are underwater, as we like to say in the biz, they've plummeted. And we've talked about it before here on the program, just plummeted. The total number of mortgage homes in negative equity decreased by 23%. So almost almost the same. You know, the, the, the increase was obviously 32% increase and you saw a 23% decrease year over year of homes that had negative equity to now there are just 1.1 million homes in this country or 2% of all mortgage properties that are underwater. A million. That's a small amount. (laughs) That is very small. Now, as we know, equity gains are likely to slow as price gains for homes begin to slow, which looks to be coming sooner rather than later. But equity is an important metric because let's face it, why did everyone walk away from their homes in the mid 2000s, or I should say the late 2000s when the bubble burst? Because why would you stay? I mean, you had no money in the home, you were underwater, you owed more than the home was worth. So you couldn't, I mean, it made sense. But if you're sitting on 30, 40, 50, 100, 200, whatever it is, you're going to find a way to stay in that home. Or you're going to find a way to sell the home and make some money, which is what we need right now. We need inventory. I'm not saying we need a crisis to have everyone start selling their homes. (laughs) But equity is a very good metric because the more skin in the game someone has, the more likely they are to want to keep playing the game. And so if someone has money in their home, they're not going to walk away from it. And so the fact that we're seeing, and the, fact, the number actually, when you break it down, it's 1.7% with a million homes underwater, which is where we are, 1.1 million. I think there's 58.1 million mortgage properties in the country. So it's 1.7%. Now here's what's amazing. If you look at all single family homes, just single family homes, that number drops to 1.4% are underwater. And if you include all housing units, 0.7%. I mean, imagine that for a second. 0.7% of all housing units are underwater. (laughs) So they could all go, they could all go under, they could all get foreclosed on. And what would that do? A what? (laughs) 0.7%, that's nothing. That would do absolutely nothing. And so it's kind of like, sorry, Crash Bros, not happening this year. But I mean, yeah, equity, these equity jumps are going to end. There's no doubt about that. Uh, But man, it has been a good couple years to be a homeowner. There is no doubt about that. Now, we know that things are slowing down. Things are slowing down with regards to housing. We're seeing the signs. Now, once again, depending on where you are, some places in North Carolina, you'd have no idea that things are slowing. But we know that the economy is starting to slow. We saw Q1, negative quarter. But the job market, the labor market, has continued to remain as tight as we have ever seen historically. And we got some jobless numbers on Thursday that you got to wonder if maybe we're starting to see some evidence. Because everyone said... We got the jobs report last month or the starting of this month for last month. 
And the big takeaway was where's the recession that's supposedly happening? I mean, we're still creating almost 400,000 jobs. This is nuts. There were, were the tightest labor market we've ever seen, or at least in modern history, you know, where's this recession? And so you got to look at jobless claims because those are always going to be the first indication before, you know, jobs report, before anything else. It's, it's a good kind of idea of what's happening because for the last couple of months, this last year, we've seen historically low numbers, numbers that we haven't seen since the 1970s, 60s. And in some cases, I think, I can't remember what the earliest was, but it was it was a while ago. I think it was like over 50 years. It's like the lowest rate in 50 some years. So it was crazy. I think at some point it was like 69, I think was maybe the 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 furthest away we had gotten on a jobs report. But this week, this week we saw an increase and it was more than expected. So this, of course, is from the Department of Labor. Seasonally adjusted initial jobless claims were 229,000. That was a 27,000 claim increase for the week ending June the 4th. And economists were only expecting about a 10,000 increase to about 2010, or sorry, yeah, 2010 claims. There we go. <laughs> I was thinking a year for, I was like, 2010, no, no, 2010. There we go, that's, that's, that's what I was talking about. Or no. 210,000. <laughs> it's a good thing it's Friday because my brain has already turned off for the week. <laughs> I'm reading this too. I am reading this off a piece of paper. As you can see, if you're watching the video podcast, I'm reading this off and I'm like 2010, <laughs> 210,000. There we go. So this was, this was bigger. This was a bigger number. Um, this was the highest level. Now, my mistake, I had said February 19th. That was when I went back and looked at it, but then I realized that what it must have happened is that when we got the February 19th data, since then, they must have revised it. And so that means that from what I saw, that, that this was the biggest number that we had seen or the highest level it had se we have seen since January. So you know, nothing crazy. I mean, 229,000 is still historically low. But you have to wonder, could we be at a turning point here when looking at the jobless claims? Uh, the increase in claims was thanks to Georgia, which saw the biggest jump, 1,800 claims, followed by Florida, just under 1,700, and Pennsylvania was just over 1,000. And then on the flip side, Michigan actually saw about a 2,000 drop. Mississippi was about 1,800, and Oklahoma saw just under 900 fewer claims. And I mentioned the historic numbers, the historic lows. Well, continuing claims, which th these are dated back to May 28th, they kind of lag. The four week moving average obviously lags uh, the actual number. And then the, the continuing claims lags even more. For the week ending May 28th, continuing claims were 1.3 million. And that was the lowest, or I'm sorry, not that one, but the four-week moving average for continuing claims was 1.31 million, which was a decrease of 9,000 from the previous week and was the lowest number since January 10th, 1970. <laughs> so once again, 50 years, that's what we're looking at. Uh, so we're still seeing some historically low data from the economy with regards to the labor market, but... We did see a jump this week 
And so could this be the beginning of claims starting to move up? You know, we've heard about layoffs happening in the tech sector. Uh, I've, I've seen layoffs in the mortgage industry as things kind of slow down. We are going to see that happen. And so are we going to see the loosening of the labor market? I mean, 20,000 claim jump week to week is really not that big of a deal, but could it be a sign of that continuing? I mean, if we see 20,000 increase for the next couple of weeks, that could be somewhat, that could be an indicator that the labor market is starting to loosen. All right, before we talk about CPI, I did want to mention there was a great piece in the Wall Street Journal by Orla McCaffrey talking about this very kind of fascinating situation where we know that the the housing market's been so hot and people have been doing anything they can to get their offers accepted. And so some people writing love letters, (laughs) other people are sending, what did I see? One person sent like a Lego, they were a Star Wars fan, they sent like a Lego Star Wars set or something like that. So we're seeing people doing whatever they can, but we know that when it comes to buying a house, if you're a cash buyer, that's a more attractive offer than a mortgage. And listen, I'm in the mortgage business. I wish that wasn't the case, but that is, (laughs) it's true, right? If you're a realtor and they're like, hey, this is a cash offer, uh, you might be looking upon that that more favorably. And people were trying to find a way to get a cash offer. And these companies have sort of jumped up. And this, this whole article is basically about people trying to find a way to scratch together the money, borrowing it from family members or, or you know, cashing in something in order to be able to make a cash offer. But they also talk about companies that are it's kind of a weird situation because what's funny is they mention that sometimes buyers will scrape together with the money to make a cash offer and then take out a mortgage or home equity line of credit soon afterwards. So it's like, it's just so they can claim to be a cash offer. And then there were some companies that popped up during the pandemic that it's basically like a mortgage company, but instead of, you know, getting a mortgage, the company buys the house So they pay cash and then you get a mortgage through them. (laughs) It's like kind of weird. And I'm like, it's, it's still a mortgage. It's just different the way that it's structured. And so you can claim that it's a cash offer. And what's funny to me is I was looking at, I'm like, well, these companies have to, you know, verify that you can repay it. So, I mean, I I guess they're kind of doing, they're doing, it's like a prequal or, I mean, they have to be saying, Hey, this person can repay it. And so it's just structured different, but it's still a mortgage. But I, I do have to wonder, I mean, is this going to matter in a couple months when the housing market cools? I mean, when we go back to a nor when we go back to a normal housing market, is it really people going to care? I mean, once we get to a more normalized market, you're just going to want to offer on your house. I mean, sure, you'd like multiple offers, but I don't think this urgency and the value of a cash offer is kind of going to go away. I mean, obviously, when you're selling your home and someone comes to you and says, I'll pay cash, you're like, that's great because you don't want something to happen, right? You don't want the financing to fall through. You got to relist your house, especially in a normal housing market where you're not getting tons of offers. You know, before you could almost, to be honest with you, you could take a risk and if it doesn't happen, you just put it back on the market and boom, you get another offer in like five seconds. But in a normal housing market, that'd be something you're worried about. So maybe there'd still be a benefit to a cash offer, but you might not get any offers. So someone comes in and says, hey, I'm going to just get a regular mortgage and you don't really have an option. And so I have to wonder if these companies are are going to be necessary when things kind of normalize. So I don't know. 
We will see. All right, I mentioned CPI. CPI is out later today. All eyes on CPI, Consumer Price Index. What's going to happen? The prediction is it's supposed to fall slightly like it did last month. Last month, it went from 8.5 to 8.3. I've seen anywhere from 8 to, I think, 8.2. So it's supposed to drop, but it'll be very interesting to see what we actually get um, because that's the biggest issue. I mean, I don't care where you are, politics, economics, finance, it doesn't matter. Everyone is talking about inflation. And, you know, some people look at CPI. We know the Fed likes to look at PCE, but it all matters. And so big number CPI print later today. We, of course, will be talking about it on Monday's podcast. You guys enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Friday and then enjoy your weekend. And we'll see you back here Monday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And don't forget... As always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.